What's good, everybody, and welcome to Body Bag Podcast. I'm Chris Thomas, and with me, as always, Broke Rider Dave. How are we doing, everybody? It is season... What season are we on there, Dave? Season number four. Season number four. So we have to come in strong, so we always have to start off with a guest. And this one, also recommended from Twins and Talent, from Hannah and Haley there. And we're going to talk about his debut uh, novel, if I'm not mistaken, Tooth Fairy, Davide Tarsitano. I pray I said it correctly for the first time. Hello, guys. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you thank so you much for, for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, my apologies. Last time we had to reschedule uh, work related things. I, I always hate being that guy having to reschedule things, but uh, I appreciate you understanding. No worries at all. So, we're going to talk about your debut novel, The Tooth Fairy, if I'm not mistaken. That's, uh, that's your most recent novel. Yes, that's my first one, my debut novel. It's been published in March 2022 this mm-hmm. year. And yeah, it's uh, it's my first attempt, let's say, at getting serious at the craft of writing. How's the reception been so far? It's been quite good. Uh, I mean, as a self-published author, I really wanted to self-publish my first book because I really wanted to learn the process of the publishing. And I honestly really like the idea of having some creative control you know, mm-hmm. from yeah. the editing uh, uh, part, which I still did with, you know, professional editors, you know, going through the designing of the cover. Uh, that was really, really cool. Plus, uh, you know, all the marketing and social media. That's been, I would say, the most challenging part for me uh, because I I basically knew nothing about it. But it was really good to learn, you know, how the, uh, the industry works behind the scenes. So it's been pretty good so far. The book is available on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, Kindle, and it's also on Kindle Unlimited. And I have to say the reviews that I've got back so far are pretty positive. So yeah, pretty happy about it. Yeah, I'd say I'm about 75% of the way through the book. And yeah, it got me hooked. I was almost late to get into the recording because I was sitting there reading it. Yeah, That's really good. enjoying it. Thanks. So, so this being your debut novel, your first like venture, I guess, into serious, like I'm taking this seriously. Now that your actual first one is done, do you find that are the ideas now kind of flooding in now that you got one idea out there? You go, all right, now let's it, it was like the heavy lifting is done. It's the first one. It's done. Is it easier now to kind of write? Like, are you in some more projects now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I mean, my whole life, I've been I mean, I've, I've wrote a lot of things just for myself, let's say. This, you know, started really when I was like about 14, 15. And my, mm-hmm. all my initial works are in Italian because I'm, I'm from Italy mm-hmm. originally. But yeah, I mean, I have a lot of ideas in my drawers. And this was the very first one that I thought it had, say, a pretty good potential. But yeah, I am already working on my second one now. And it's definitely relieving for new ideas because, yeah, once you, once you do your first one, uh, at least you know. I, I guess you're just more experienced about how to go with it. A lot of your unanswered questions, you've been through the process. It's not lingering yes. over your head. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so definitely it's been it's been relieving. Uh, it's been a weight off my shoulder in a, in a good way, let's say. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, I'm, I'm working on my second one. Do you have a, a title or do you not want to drop that just yet? Uh, I don't have a title yet. I'm just about 10,000 words in. I hope to have my amended manuscript sometime uh, around March, April of next year. Yeah, then I'll go about publishing it. 
Okay. I like that uh, all of our authors, uh, author guests, the way they'll just casually say, I'm about like 10,000 words. And I'm like, oh, man, God. <laughs> 10, <laughs> Struggling like, to get there. It yeah. sounds like nothing. Like, I, I think Chris, Christopher Frost was like the same way. I'm like, yeah, I'm 10,000 words into my next. I'm like, good Lord, I haven't even gotten through <laughs> one of yeah. my stories yet. Um, yeah, I mean, 10,000 words is honestly um, not a lot when you think about your first draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, it really depends on the writer. In, in my case, I really do not like to plot my story. I really just have some ideas that click together and I just start, you know, writing. And, you know, the characters are these like shades. I don't know anything about them. Um, and I, what I really enjoy by writing in the end is uh, really, you know, letting the story guide me, letting the story, you know, introducing me to my characters and develop from there i i don't have like i rarely have ideas like about how the story is gonna go that's why you know ten thousand words for me is not really that much i don't have a title yet i don't know how this story is gonna is gonna develop yet i kind of like that you say you don't uh, so when you write you say you don't necessarily know right off where the story is going to go usually if i have a idea i know exactly what it the beginning and end is going to be and it's that how do i get from a to b is the hard yeah. part yeah i mean that's totally you know like it's really subjective i i, I guess in the end and you know what it's whatever works for for the writer in my opinion i mean it just for for the way i am it just takes out a little bit of the fun part of um character development like um that. yeah yeah so it's just, but it's just, again, it's just very subjective. It's just the way it works for me. It's, yeah, I just like yeah. hearing, you know, uh, everybody has a process and I just like hearing everybody's process and how yeah. how certain things work for people. It's just, yeah. I mean, I've so heard cool. James Joyce. James Joyce always started writing the, the last page of his book and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it took him like years to, to finish a book. So yeah. there are really prolific authors that, you know, are able to stay on a schedule and just write plotting it, write mm-hmm. without plotting it, writing from the end, going back to the start. I mean, it's it's really that's the beauty of it, right? Like it works, it works differently for everyone. Um, well, Dave, actually, uh, since he's about seventy five percent of the way through uh, Tooth Fairy, he probably has a couple of questions uh, more specifically yeah. about that. Yeah. So we'll start with the beginning of the book, that opening chapter. Yep. Which is phenomenal because it actually is kind of like the middle part of the book. It's Johnny's kind of like aftermath dealing with the tooth fairy where he has some tooth pulled. So how yep. did you go about starting the book with that chapter? Like, I always think that's interesting starting with like a part of the book that actually happens later on. Yeah, that's a really good question. And actually, in my very first draft of the book, the book didn't start with that opening scene. So that's exactly what I mean about when I say that, you know, I don't like to plot. I don't like to structure my book from the get go because I just wrote. And at some point I just I just had this incredible scene and I was really proud of it when I wrote it. So, you know, working with my editors, we just thought that it would be a great idea to actually start the book with that opening scene and, you know, just throw like this flashback. Yeah. um, you know, at the beginning of the book and, and just then, you know, start from the beginning in, in chapter two. So it wasn't yeah. planned, let's say, <laughs> uh, but it was a, it was a good decision, I guess, to, to put it there, because a lot of my reviews, they, they you know, they're really positive about that opening scene. 
Oh, yeah, it definitely gets you hooked right from the beginning. Uh, before we actually go a little bit further into it, um, do you want to just maybe in like a sentence or two uh, say what overall the Tooth Fairy is about, just for readers who might not know, uh, a little taste of what it is? Yeah, um, so to me, the, the Tooth Fairy is a story uh, that talks about trauma. It talks about, let's say, lack of, of love. It, it talks about abuse, and it's the combination of all these very bad things uh, and the effect that they can have like on the human mind, uh, they can create these very dark places in our head. And, you know, when, when it's like that much, can, it can really, it's about mental health in the end. It's a psychological thriller that talks about uh, everything that basically should not happen um, to people, especially to a child, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because all this trauma then can, you know, very, very quickly mutate into some disorders. And in the case yeah. of the Tooth Fairy, in, um, let's say, dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorders. So the, the Tooth Fairy is a um, malevolent uh, side of uh, one of the characters' personality. And, and so the whole book, to me, is about the fight um, that happens between the main personality and this, um, let's say, side personality in, in, in our subconscious. So, um, yeah, this is a very generic, very high level of descri- the way I would describe my book. Okay. Right, back to you, Dave. Yeah, it's a, so that fits very well with what I read so far. So just going with the, like, the three main characters is Johnny... Jamie and then Wendy. Yes. And they all just kind of meet kind of by chance and coincidence. Yes. Like, how did you go about like structuring that? Because that's a very interesting way to have like your main characters interconnect instead of already knowing each other before the story starts. Yeah, that's a good question. So the um the common element I would say between the three main characters is clearly uh, like a, a bad situation that yeah, they, running they were away. All, yeah. yeah, exactly. They were all like kind of like broken people at some level in different measures. Um, and Johnny is definitely um, the one I started from. Um, I would say um, so. Johnny's struggle is more like um, let's say probably is the easiest struggle between the three. Yeah. Uh, let's say the least um, difficult situation. So. Um, of course, he has a pretty bad um, experience um, with, with his wife cheating on him. Um, his work life is kind of crumbling. Um, he's living kind of like an ex- existential crisis at some point in his life. Yeah. He, he starts like doubting about everything. So he just literally decides to basically um, take off, right? So yeah. to, to leave everything and just try to start, you know, a, a new chapter of his life. And on the road while he's trying to, to get to LA on his dad's car, which is, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's another pretty cool element of the book. Um, he, he basically finds Jamie. Jamie is, um, is a guy that had a pretty difficult family to, um, you know, um, an abusive dad, um, you know, living in poverty. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, is is each hiking on the highway on the on the route 66 actually trying to get to la as well so um when when the two meet at this gas station there is like this immediate connection between the two of them and 
you know, uh, Johnny has been kind of an asshole in the first part of his life. So he's trying yeah. to turn things around, uh, you know, sort of like a karma, uh, karma decision, you know, to yeah. take him on for the ride. And, and so, yeah, so that, that's the way the friendship starts yeah. on a completely different island, Wendy, which, by the way, was my favorite character. Uh, to me, yeah. re- really, a lot of people have asked me, uh, why did you spend more time on Wendy than your main character, Johnny? And my answer is always, uh, well, to me, in my mind, really, the main character is Wendy. Uh, yeah. Wendy, um, you know, can look like the antagonist, but it's actually the victim of the story. And it's definitely the character I sympathize with the most, um, uh, you know, out of the three of them. Uh, Wendy comes also from a very, very difficult childhood. Um, her mom died uh, when she was really young. Um, you know, her dad um, suffered like a mental breakdown from, from that loss. And he started, yeah. you know, getting into drugs. Um, and yeah, basically she had to kind of raise herself, um, which I think it's, you know, a story that, you know, it's not that uncommon in, in, in our days. And yeah, all that trauma, all all that abuse um, has definitely turned into something evil um, inside herself that she she would like to control, but she just can't. Yeah, Wendy's, uh, yeah, probably one of my favorite characters as well. Um, If I may. Yep. Uh, So you said this has to do with a lot of trauma and a lot of... um, mental health and whatnot did you find yourself doing a lot of research into psychology uh in order to like tap into how much research was i guess involved if any to in that regard there was there was definitely some um especially um i i did not want to i wanted to give justice you know to people that struggle with mental health and especially with um dissociative identity disorder which is pretty serious um, I mean, I had the, I had the fortune to have uh, my wife. She's actually uh, very involved with psychology uh, for her job. Uh, okay. She works with um, you know with a lot of people that struggle mentally. So um, she was able you know to give me a lot of information plus some additional research um, that went into it. I I did not want to make it like super, um, let's say scientific and super researchy. I mm-hmm. still wanted the, the let's say the fictional level to be the dominant one, but I definitely wanted to get the the elements right about how these um let's say transitions between personalities happen um you know to real people, not just mm-hmm. from what I've seen like in other movies or you know read in other books that's yeah. definitely something I know uh is difficult with uh with writing is how much of it do you want it to sound legit and how much, or do you want to get too bogged bogged down in jargon? Yeah. Uh, And so where, where do you find the balance of, all right, I'll put just enough truth in there and then I can let the fiction take over. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that one. It's, it's just about writing, finding that uh, right balance. Let's say where you're happy with how much, how many details, you know, you gave out. Mm-hmm. But without without letting that become like a scientific article, you know, uh, yeah. about yeah. about mental health. So, uh, I just want to know how you got to uh, picking Copper City, New Mexico, for the place of everything coming together. 
Because it just kind of, well, I mean, I love New Mexico. I've always wanted to move out there. But there's not a lot of stories that take place out there. So I just found that interesting. That that's where you chose for it to, for everything to collide. Yeah, so that, uh, that's not a really good one. Uh, so the idea for Copper City, which is a fictional, uh, let's say, city in New Mexico, yeah. Mexico come, came in my mind, actually, because I traveled on the Route 66 just for, you know, for a vacation yeah. with a friend of mine back in 2014. And okay. uh, I, I just remember very clearly this very small, um, creepy town, which gave me a lot of, um, you know, kind of like the dairy vibes from, from Stephen King or like Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, these cities that literally where you can feel there is something a little bit, just a little bit off, you know. A or, little ominous yeah. in the air. <laughs> exactly. It, just like that. And so I, you know, that's that's one of the ideas that I just put in my drawer uh, after that trip. And, you know, when I needed it, I just, you know, literally yeah. it was in my mind to say, yeah, that's that's the place. Um, that's how actually the all New Mexico, um, let's say, set was, was born in the Tooth Fairy. Uh, because when I started the book, I, I had no idea. That it, you know, the events would actually unfold there. Okay, yeah, awesome. Yeah, because uh, there's that one line in the book by uh, Mr. Bull. He's like, "Yeah, it's quiet here, but it's not peaceful." Yes, kind of gives that city the whole ominous vibe. Like, there's a lot more going on below the surface. Yes, there is actually a chapter. Uh, well, it's not really a um, a chapter. It's more like a scene of, I believe, chapter six. Um, where you know there is like a very um a, not a very deep digression in you know the events that have unfolded in copper city um you know back in yeah. the days um it, which is kind of narrated from an external narrator point of view which is a you know a writing technique that i really really love from stephen king so stephen king uses that a lot um you know in in many of his books and i just like you know had to have my shot that yeah. So I have a couple more questions for you. This one, if Tooth Fairy was being made into a movie, who would you want to play the three main characters of Johnny, Wendy, and Jamie? That's... And who would you want to direct it? Ah, that's a really good question. Um, I would say, so um, when I was writing... The story, um, for example, I was thinking, um, so for Johnny, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird because you don't have, um, you don't have like a specific, let's say, actor in mind. Yeah. But I would say probably uh, Matthew McConaughey would be like a good Johnny in my mind. Okay. Um, Jamie, I'm not entirely sure, um, to be honest with you. Um, it really didn't take shape as a you know like as a as an actor or something like that um for wendy um uh for wendy i I always thought about uh for example like margot robbie being being the actress uh but let's say like a black hair version of of marco margot robbie okay black hair margot robbie i like it (laughs) i watch it yeah yeah, that's the way. I, I've I've actually got this question a lot um, <laughs> from many people. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, oh who you cast it? Yeah. Uh, oh. Um, yeah. Oh, do we have a director? <laughs> oh, the director. Um, good question. Um, I like the idea of having Jordan Peele directing this movie. Actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Jordan Peele. One. Yeah. He's been killing it. Yeah. <laughs> He's Jordan Peele is still kind of in that uh, stage of his fans think he can do no wrong. He's he's still riding that right now. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean, ever since Get Out, you know, yeah, he's still yeah. riding on that Get Out yeah. uh, wave. I guess wave, yeah. But uh, I yeah, I still I... haven't seen uh, Nope yet though, so I don't know if it's good or not. I, I have actually, and. Um... It's very different. I, I think he, he, he literally steered away from, you know, get out. Um, I think it, he kind of has to. I'm, I'm yeah. sure he's trying to put as much distance between him and get out as possible so he can be known for other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's clear, clearly steering away from that. I think he's just exploring different things. I think it was really interesting. It wasn't exactly the, the Jordan Peele movie that I, you know, um, that I really, really enjoyed, but. It's mm-hmm. still a good one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, I've only seen Get Out. I, I keep saying I'm going to watch Us. But... Us is pretty good. Yeah. And I've been I planning on watching Note for like the past week. So now it's streaming on Peacock. But every time I plan to sit down and watch it, something comes up. Yep. Well, I still got a couple of days off of for before I got to go back to work. Maybe I'll finally yeah. watch all of these movies that i keep putting on my list so So also i see that you uh work in like uh race cars yeah so yeah my my day job i'm I'm an actual uh race car engineer Um, okay yeah so yeah i i work in the uh, north american motorsport industry especially in indycar series and sports car series so the the old indy 500 deal which i guess it kind of it kind of like um let's say went into the book um when i was yeah. talking about johnny's dad uh his garage all his let's say Tool. yeah yeah tools and history from you know um the indy 500 back in the days which is a pretty iconic uh Race, event yeah, yeah. in the united states yeah yeah i was gonna ask if you were able to take anything from that into writing uh i i thought about it but Honestly, the genre, um, you know, that I want to explore in my writing is very, very different from that. So yeah. all I can do is, is really just drop some elements from that word. But um, I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe in the future, I'll, I'll be able to to make it click with 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 racing. All right. Uh, Chris, do you have any uh, questions or? Uh, I think I've asked mine as we've kind of gone along. All right. Is, uh, was that the last bit for you? Yeah, that was the last I had. All right. Well, uh, I guess before we make our transition into the uh, movie topic, uh, uh, David, do you want to tell us, tell the people where they can find you uh, online and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, again, uh, my book is available on Amazon um, in many formats paperback, hardcover, Kindle, and it's also on Kindle Unlimited. Uh, as far as my social media, um, I you, can, you guys can find me on Instagram at the Tarsitano official. Uh, you can find me on Facebook uh, at Davide Tarsitano uh, dash author, 
uh, you can also find me on Twitter uh, at dtarsitano01. And of course, you can also find me on Goodreads. I'm a Goodreads author, so you can find my book there. I would love to read everyone's reviews uh, on both Amazon and Goodreads. And everybody be on the lookout. Uh, this is the season premiere of uh, season four, and we have to have a giveaway. So first and second place who uh, all subscribe for the uh, giveaway, first and second place, both will get a copy of Tooth Fairy. So be on the lookout yeah. for that as well. Okay, so first bad movie of season four, uh, Halloween ends. So, I'm so we leave it up to the viewers or the uh, guests to choose the movie that we'll be talking about. So, Davide, you feel some kind of way about Halloween ends? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I'm I normally I'm pretty gentle with my uh, movie reviews. But Halloween Ends was definitely one um, I did not enjoy. I mean, I want to just give a little bit of background. I really think, uh, you know, Halloween from John Carpenter is probably the greatest horror movie that I've ever seen. So, you know, I went for the whole franchise. I went in with a lot of expectations about what I was going to watch. And, you know, I have to say that the old David Gordon Green trilogy um you know, was already kind of in decline for mm -hmm. me compared to the original, um, the original trilogy. But yeah, Halloween Ends was just like the cherry on top of the cake. Um, I, I just, I just felt it was really, really predictable. I, I really enjoyed the opening scene. Uh, that's probably the only ten minutes yeah. that I liked about. about <laughs> I, the movie. I, I told Dave that I watched. Uh, what was that little kid's name? Not Jeremy. Jeremy was Jeremy get hit and uh, fall down the stairs at least five yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a good scene. Yeah. I actually, yes, I actually, you know, I think the frustrating thing about this movie. Well, first off, this movie's been pr pretty much reviewed by everybody. So if you, uh, and I imagine if you're here, you have seen Halloween Ends because yeah. everybody. It, it pissed a lot of people off. I know that. Yeah, some people loved it, but it also pissed a lot of people off. Yeah. So I ha instead of going like point by point, this this would happen, this would happen, this would happen. Why don't we just bring up some of the main things that everybody had problems with? And uh, I told Dave, I'll actually play a little bit of devil's advocate with this, and I don't love it, but I'll defend certain parts of it. Okay, I um, feel like this movie. Very much it's kind of like a bait and switch type things because if you watch all the previews, it's all about Michael and Lori. So when you watch the movie, you realize all the scenes with Michael in it mm -hmm. were in the previews. They use every single Michael scene in the previews. Yeah, the biggest culprit of this whole thing this guy, is Corey. Is the marketing around it is the biggest culprit of this, I believe. Um, yeah, it's very carny. But I think the thing that's the most frustrating is that as I was watching it, there are some good things about it that, that could have worked. But, you know, if this is supposed to be Michael's big send off, right? This is supposed to be the end of the Michael Myers and Laurie Strode chapter, the final farewell thing. And I don't know, I, <laughs> I didn't find it entertaining to see Michael Myers as a feeble old man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who get who gets beat up by the guy who gets beat up by the marching band? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally agree on that one. 
that's not what fans want to see if they know that this is going to be like the uh, a because if you're marketing it as a big showdown it's 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 kind of hard when you have one as a feeble old man and the other one is jamie lee curtis who is a elderly woman uh, so <laughs> i mean how how badass can this kind of be but yeah uh, i i'm with you on that one also yeah. another thing that kind of like didn't go well with me in general is they all attempt to make Corey become the new michael meyer um i mean that kind of like you know transition was something that was really really predictable for me in the movie like since the first 20 30 minutes where Corey, you know was you know clearly moody struggling and you know almost finding that darkness inside himself it was so clear that at mm-hmm. some point in the movie it would meet michael well, meyer i think yeah. the problem the problem with it is that they introduced Corey, this brand new character at the at the, at the very last minute I think if they were going to try to do this Corey thing, they, he should have been introduced either in Halloween 2018 or Halloween Kills. But you're just throwing this brand new yeah. character and expecting us to care about them. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good um, point. Because I also don't like how this movie is like tone shift from the first two. Like the first two are super like felt like a coming... slasher movies, and then this one's kind of like. A coming of age uh we want to be twenty four so bad it felt like a coming of age teen romance uh it did have that romeo and juliet type feel with the allison cory storyline now i i don't have any problem with the director trying something new because this this actually got compared to halloween season of the witch by a lot of people because much like season of the witch it wasn't what people were expecting and there was a very severe lack of michael myers yeah so i can i can kind of appreciate that he probably thought well season of the witch now has a cult following and is appreciated by fan base so they'll appreciate what i'm doing with this but i can't help but think that if you're gonna try to do that experimental thing do that in halloween kills gauge people's reactions and see if they liked it or not yeah don't don't gamble on all right this is how we're gonna end it <laughs> don't take yeah. that yeah. gamble and i'm pretty yeah. sure in halloween uh season of the witch they didn't have michael myers in all of the previews nope and he only made one cameo and that was on the commercial that they were watching for it yeah now if now well let me ask you if if this was not a Halloween movie like if, if uh, Michael Myers was just like this movie is just crazed killer or whatever how, how do you think it would have uh, fared as a standalone if it didn't have the Halloween attachment to it I'm talking about as like a standalone story yeah it's kind of hard to imagine that you know when you talk to Michael Myers mm-hmm. but I don't know I just I just felt like it was blocking like too many things so it was locking the presence of the killer let's say the main killer too much um, yeah. I think like like they've pointed out as well. It was probably like fifteen minutes of him in, in the whole movie. Half um, of which he was getting beat up and, and <laughs> Exactly. I so think pretty, his actual screen time was like nine minutes and like forty something seconds. Yeah, um, it's it's insane. I mean it's yeah. pretty let's say weak villain, uh like you guys are saying. So I don't know if being a standalone would have saved, you know, the whole execution, in my opinion. Probably not. 
Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, this originally it was all supposed to take place on one night, right? But COVID made it have to get broken up. Was that the reason why it's four years later instead of the same night? Yeah, I think uh, the screenwriters and the directors just kind of overthought it during COVID and rewrote the script. Because I think that this would have been genius if, if this all took place in three movies. It all took place in one night. And Halloween Ends would have been a great title because it's like the end of one horrible Halloween night. That would have been great. Yeah. But if you watch these movies back to back to back, like you said, there's that tonal shift because weird stuff too. Like Lori spent, what, 40 years being afraid of Michael Myers? Yeah. To the point where she was trained every day and everything like that. Now Michael killed her daughter, but she's like kind of over it now. She's like, I bought a home in the suburbs. I'm writing my yep. memoirs. And I was like, the Lori, I think that you guys had built up would have been scouring the city trying to find Michael had he killed her daughter. Right. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me either. It's like, he kills your daughter, so you just kind of Now is enough. Yeah. Like, I'm fairly certain, she, like, and hanging out in the sewers where all the homeless people live, which is kind of like where, I, to me, the most obvious place a crazed killer would go. Yeah. Would hide yeah, but, and nobody thought to look there. But I kind of liked the idea of what they were trying to do about plunging Haddonfield into, like, chaos, where it's just everybody's, like, pretty much, like, killing each other, basically. Yeah. And I I thought that that concept, which is what they were setting up with kills, I think that would have been great. But it was, like, but it was four years later, and all of this still, uh, that four-year gap really... I have a problem with. Yeah, and people sit there blaming Lori for Michael killing people. It's like, what the fuck did she do? Yeah, I thought the same when I was watching it. Everyone, is, it's like she was the killer, not Michael Meyer. Yeah, and it was that great value Dr. Loomis that broke Michael out in the first place to bring him yeah. to Lori. So. Also, I'm going to say something, which I don't know if you guys agree with, but I feel like Lori and Michael had such a let's say, deep connection, like they were pretty much like the nemesis of, of one another that I would have expected them to actually end together, if that makes sense to you well, guys. Like they die together? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm teetering between should, should uh, would, would fans prefer Lori die with Michael or be able to have a happy ending? Because I know some people, I've heard people who actually do like that. Lori kind of gets a little bit of a happy ending. But yeah, in my mind, Lori and Michael, like when the trailers came out, in my mind, that was how I pictured it ending with was with both of them dying like together. Yeah, like that. I think you could make that work. You could do that in a way you can kill off Lori and do it in a way where the fans would be satisfied that you gave her a proper send off. Yeah, unlike Resurrection where they uh-huh. just kind of killed her. Yeah. Now, quick question of all of the Halloweens. Worst one, yes or no? Of all the Halloweens that are out there, um, maybe if not the worst one, probably the second worst one. My yeah. opinion. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? Do you think it deserves like worst of the franchise status? Uh, I think it's probably. Uh, I don't know. It's either that or Resurrection for me. Like those two are right there for the worst ones. Yep. I, but again, I have to say, I, I kind of respect the gamble that the guy was trying to take. Because you can see where, you know, the kind of direction that the story was trying to go. Like, but 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 it also, I think it tried to take on too many things at once. Like, it wanted to be a Passing of the Torch movie. And it also wanted to be that the city itself is kind of turning evil. 
Yeah. Like, it, it felt like they wanted to go in two separate directions for the reason why things are the way they are. Yeah. That, it, that was like, all right, so was he evil or did Michael pass something on to him? Like, wh- who who's the evil supposed to be here? Because y'all have been saying, like, Michael was just pure evil and then you're insinuating that it can be passed along, but you're also saying that the city is kind of being infected by this, the evilness being the mob mentality thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's- I've always seen it as uh, Michael's, Michael was evil, right? And his actions were, were actually kind of contagious and kind of bringing up the worst of people, which is not like a bad idea per no. se. I actually like that concept a lot. But yeah, it's hard to... I mean, I, I'm not sure if that can be the element that actually saves the movie. I actually think this whole him having the ability to pass it on, that sounds more like a plot line that would have been in like the when they had the Thorin cult. Yeah. That seems like a plot line that would have been more suited for that timeline. That that it's like something that gets passed along from person to person. But again, it's just I appreciate the gamble, but this was not the movie to do it with. No, yeah, not, the, not the last one. Especially <laughs> with all the expectations that got set for people. As the trailers came out, I I just remember thinking, all right, you would have to kind of go out of your way to mess up this kind of finale because all people want to see is Laurie versus Michael. And um, they went all the way the, out of their way to fuck this up. The city is in disarray. <laughs> There's a, 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 a citywide manhunt for Michael, and it, then it just comes down to Michael versus Laurie. And that's like a tight 90-minute movie. You would have had, everybody would have been like, oh, mwah, perfect. But <laughs> you went out of your way. Uh, to give us Corey. To give us Corey. <laughs> um, yeah, what? wasn't a very likable antagonist at all. Well, well, they threw him in at the very last minute. You, you, We have a town full of people that we've had three movies now yeah. to get to know, and then they throw in Corey. And it's like, all right. There's well, no background for him. Yeah. There's no, yeah. Nothing to build him up. Yeah. Because if you go into this movie and you're like, you don't see Michael until, I think, about 35 minutes in uh, when he yeah. when he drags him into the sewer. So... <laughs> you're going in there like amped up from the trailers like yeah a- and amped up after seeing Halloween Kills like oh man the 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 mob is out there Michael's running around he's super powered now because he just killed the mob so he's like like uh not at all the same Michael that we get in in this movie <laughs> um yeah and then this movie starts you get the great opening scene and you're like all right I'm in and kid then, dying yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and that, can, I, can I throw something else in it? Uh, oh, please. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the very final scene after, let's say, Michael dies and that whole procession of the town bringing him, you know, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the car to that kind of like meat masher <laughs> kind of machine. Oh, that, that car compactor thing? Yeah, yeah the, the compactor. Yeah, I mean, that was, I, I don't know. How did all of you people know where we're like? Where did all you people come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I yeah, think that could have been a great scene to have at the end of the movie if they gave us what they promised us, which was a Michael versus Laurie ninety-minute yeah. movie where she finally comes out on top, and then they have that scene. I would like that a lot more than. Um, what y'all think of the romance subplot? 
It was a uh, Romeo and Juliet. For some reason, they you got to look at this movie. They knew on each other for three days. That's it. <laughs> yeah, she's um, willing. She's willing to be okay after he says, "I killed someone." It's okay, yeah. babe. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave town together. Let's leave uh, town. On... Your yeah, mom tried to. Rush. Your grandma tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so he killed sure himself. Man, sure, man. I just met. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kept saying, man, I, I forget. So I, I kept thinking, is he? A, he's a teenager, but I, I kept thinking he's a. He just looks like a full grown man. So I don't know that that kind of. I think he's like college age type deal. Yeah. Getting getting I, again beat up by the marching band, but still strong enough yeah. to beat up Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> very rushed, in my opinion. Yeah, very very hard to believe. Let's say. Yeah, I think they should at least introduce Corey in the first one. If you wanted us to care. You could have had him him introduced him in this first one. In the second one, he could have had an encounter with Michael at some point. Michael could have let him go. Yeah. And then in the third one, that whole stuff could have happened, and we could have been like, oh, crap, was it? Yeah, and also maybe show some flashbacks of Corey actually being like a copycat Michael Myers and killing some people. I I could have been into, like, if this was a buffer movie, if it didn't have Michael Myers, and if this was like a buffer movie between kills and ends, where it's just we see an hour and a half movie of a town, like, just being in the grips of fear, people, like, at each other's throats, you have a copycat killer. And then yeah. you go ha- Halloween ends, and then you get to see Michael kill the copycat killer. Like that would have. Sorry, yeah. I'm just pitching a movie right now. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> I think that could have worked. I think. I mean, to summarize all the problems that this movie have, in my opinion, it would be, like you said, probably just like setting up the base of a trilogy on some elements, and then just go all the way out of them for the for the final one. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, a well thought trilogy could have, you know made this end a lot a lot better um what did you think of uh 2018 and halloween kills um they were not bad i mean again when i go with the expectation of seeing seeing like an original like slasher just like the 1973 i think halloween it's yeah. kind of hard to match you know yeah. I, I just i'm just in love with that movie so i'm not a big fan of like you know keep going with these franchises like forever there are way wow. too many movies that work perfectly yeah. well as a standalone that they try to milk yeah, yeah. which exactly i i've always i say the same thing i'd much rather have same same with t- tv series i'd much rather just have a nice one or two season and then they just stop exactly and and, and end on a high note i'm with you no they, they weren't i mean they weren't nearly as bad as this one in my opinion but they kind of add element of weakness compared to what I think the original Halloween was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one was just like too much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm on with day when it says like between this and resurrection. I mean, I couldn't pick the, you know, the worst one yeah. <laughs> between the two, honestly. But here's the question: Would you rather watch the Rob Zombie Halloween one and two or the Halloween Ends trilogy? Uh, I haven't seen the second one in so long. Um, uh, you know, I defend the first one. I think it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, nothing great, but you know, it's okay. Um, yeah. I'd say I'd say Rob Zombie first one was better than ends, definitely. Yeah. Um. Agreed. 
uh, it's just a you know, it's just Halloween with Rob Zombie's exploitation style shooting. So yeah, I think I'm one of the few people that really enjoyed Rob Zombie's Halloween too. Yeah, I mean, it's in all honesty, it's exactly what you would think of for when you hear Rob Zombie doing Halloween. It's like exactly yeah. what you you know, what's it's what you get. It, it it's get exactly what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we go around to uh, kills? Favorite favorite kills of the movie, which there there were a couple. Do any stand out? How about to you first there, Dave? Kills of the movie. I'm not going to go with the easy one and say the kid at the beginning. <laughs> uh, that brings way brings me way too much joy than it should. Like, yeah. I shouldn't be this happy. about. But that kid was annoying. Yeah. Um, probably Corey killing the uh, radio DJ because he got really vicious with that one. I enjoyed the swimming pool one, or let's say the couple. Um, I think it was Allison's colleague with with her boss uh-huh. having that yeah. gay way. I, I enjoyed those two. My mine's de- mine's the DJ one too. Like when I saw that, I was like, okay, now this like, <laughs> you know, at first, you know, with a kill like that, I'm almost willing to forgive that the fact that you're Corey and not Michael Myers. Yeah, uh, with a kill like that. Um, that and he got his tongue caught out. That that was like a Art the Clown kind of kill. Yeah. Um, why couldn't we have had a lot of that? I mean, right? I could have, I could have forgiven. Yeah, that's what Co- he wants from a slasher, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> again, I it made me forget that that was Corey. And if so, if you could, you can do a copycat killer. Fine, it, like it's fine because you would get satisfaction. But they didn't give us the satisfaction of seeing Michael like beat his ass or something like that. Yeah, like, you want to see Michael kick some ass before he goes down. No, Michael's just kind of following around like a puppy dog. I always thought that it would have been impossible to steal Michael Myers' mask off him. Apparently not. Yeah. Now I guess ratings here. Um, we. we do you want to do it on my 30 point scale or do you want to try to just do it on your own kind of scale, Dave? Uh, I, we, I'm going to do it on your 30 point scale. All right. So we have a 30 point scale. Let's see if, if it makes sense. Um, uh, it's divided into three parts, a bad movie, uh, okay movie and a good movie. Uh, zero to 10 is a bad movie. 11 to 20 is a okay movie and uh, 20 to 30 is a very good movie. Where would you kind of rate this? I would probably give this movie an 11 Mm -hmm. because it wasn't shot bad. It was shot pretty well, but it's not enjoyable to watch at all. So yeah, I'd probably give it 11. 11? Yeah. What about you there, Davide? Um, I mean, probably in your scale, it would be a eight or nine. Eight or nine? Yeah, it would be definitely in the category of the bad movie. Uh, so it's a one to ten. It's like it's a bad uh, movie, but it's like not shot the worst. And it's yeah, like... exactly. It has some interesting, let's say, technical elements. They did uh, play with some reflections a couple of times that I thought was yeah. pretty nice. Um, yeah. I think that's what frustrates a lot of people too is that when you see elements of stuff in the movie that is good that you're just like yeah but you could have had it with Michael Myers and you could have you could have had all of these nice things too uh so what you said 
12, Dave? Uh, 11. 11. Yeah. I'm going to go with a tw- uh, 12. Yeah. I'm going to go with 12. There were elements that that worked and that if it was a separate movie, if this was a buffer movie between kills and ends, I think it would have worked a lot better. Yeah. But it, the, it's it's just a victim of bad marketing is all. Like, if if they put out there that this is kind of how we're going, then people wouldn't have been as upset. They'd have been like, all right, well, I'd rather it be about Michael, but, you know, at least they told us. Yeah. So. But you know what? It's it's definitely, it's a bad movie, but certainly not the worst that I know me and Dave have seen. Certainly didn't make yeah. us angry like a whole lot of these movies. Like the last two Christmas movies. Oh, no, not that bad. Christmas and Hanukkah movie? <laughs> yeah. Awful. Black Christmas is fucking terrible. We want to thank Davide again. Thank you for coming on, and thanks for taking some time to talk about uh, Tooth Fairy and to kind of just bat around our, our thoughts of uh, Halloween ends. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you very much, guys, for having me. It was really, really fun. And, yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for, for and, having me over and your podcast. Of course, there's it's always an open invitation if you ever want to. All of our guests have open invitations if they ever want to come back and talk about a movie or talk some more about uh, their projects. Uh, you're more than welcome. We'd love to have you again. Yeah, I'll definitely come back. And, right. again, everybody... Uh, Tooth Fairy is on Amazon and in our upcoming book giveaway. Thank you for sticking with us for this upcoming season. I've been Chris Thomas and with me, Broke Rider Dave. Have a good week, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Body Bag Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave us a comment as to what you'd like to hear us review or any horror movie topics you'd like to hear us rant and rave about. And while you're at it, you can find us on Twitter at BodyBagPod and on Instagram at BodyBagPodcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.